Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. We thank you so much for joining us today on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marissa Charles. Dr. Charles is a primary care physician at the Wellman at Ingram Clinic in San Antonio, earned her medical degree from the University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth, completed her family medicine residency at the Christus Smile Memorial Hospital in Corpus Christi, and she is board certified in family medicine. And Dr. Charles, our second to last show together is you're about to go into a Retirement, not from medicine. Not from medicine. Co hosting Wellmed Radio. It's been almost two years we've been on this journey, and uh, we're going to talk about it on next week's show as we will bid you an appropriate and fond farewell. Uh, But first, uh, mental health issues. Talk to me a little bit about your patients and mental health, and we're going to take that up today with our very special guest, Dr. Amber Stevens. I'm really glad we're going to talk about mental health this week because. It is a pressing issue. And I think the pandemic exacerbated mental health issues for so many folks. Um, The isolation, I think, has caused a lot more depression and anxiety in patients that maybe didn't suffer with it as much before. So I think it's important to highlight it and have it up in the forefront so that our patients recognize it for what it is and talk to us about it so we can get them the appropriate help. I was able to post some statistics World Health Organization reported that in the first year of COVID-19 pandemic, global prevalence of anxiety and depression increased by 25%. Nearly one in five United States adults live with mental illness. That's 52.9 million of us. And according to NAMI, National Association of Mental Health, people with depression have a 40% higher risk of developing cardiovascular and metabolic disease than does the general population. And according to the CDC Center for Disease Control, 20% of people aged 55 years or older experience some type of mental health concern. The most common, anxiety, severe cognitive impairment, and mood disorders like depression or bipolar disorder. And that leads us to introducing our guest today. And we're delighted to have her with us. Uh, Amber Stevens is a physician at the Optum Maine Clinic in Dunedin, Dunedin, Florida, I'll get that right. She earned her medical degree at Drexel University College of Medicine in Philadelphia, completed a residency at Bayfront Medical Center in St. Petersburg. Dr. Stevens is board certified in family medicine. And Amber, delighted to have you on board. Thanks for joining us. I'm very, very thrilled to be here today. So thanks for having me. And like Dr. Charles, uh, you want to talk about mental health issues as they affect your patients, do you see a lot of that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, just this morning alone, half my patients, it was part of the conversation and a prominent portion of the conversation. Uh, It it truly is endemic um, across the board. And, you know, as we were speaking earlier, even just a few minutes ago, the pandemic has definitely worsen this entire picture, the isolation. I see a lot of senior citizen patients, um, 
who frankly have been terrified to even go out of their doors up until the last several months. So isolation has been horrible. Uh, and then people losing people they love even uh, is making mm -hmm. it worse and they're not getting mm -hmm. the help that they need to help grieve. What does isolation do to us? Um, so isolation in general, I, I tell patients all the time, I said, we are gregarious. We wanna be with other people. We want to socialize. Being with other people allows us to, it's like a natural high for the most part. I know some people are more introverted, but <laughs> even your most introverted person needs to have interaction with other people to stimulate those parts of their brains that give them that release, gives them that uh, sense of security, that they're loved. I mean, we all need that. And if you're isolated, you're just missing that. And I'm sorry, but Zoom calls, telephone calls, FaceTime, nothing replaces a hug. And when you think about that, Dr. Charles, what do you tell your patients? Well, it's been so difficult because the pandemic was so severe. And, and Dr. Stevens, I mean, you've got it nail right hit on the head because so many of these patients experienced loss. Um, Prior to the pandemic, you know, we had so many more opportunities to get together, even just with, you know, WellMed having our little senior centers that I talk about all the time, but they had, you know, grief counseling groups that they would do in, in group sessions. They had um, classes that they would teach, exercise classes. You know, all of these interactions really benefited our patients and, and we're starting to get back to it slowly, slowly. And so many people have still been so scared to have those interactions and talk to people, but it's very important. I agree. I have that conversation with folks all the time as well. We're social beings. We're social creatures. We thrive in a community and, um, you know, it helps with dementia, memory problems, um, you know, and benefiting anxiety and depression because we feel like we're all in it together. And so the lack of connection. We'll continue the discussion on mental health, but first let me remind folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to Wellman Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. And we're talking on our Wellman Radio hotline from Tampa, Florida with Dr. Amber Stevens, talking about mental health and putting your mental health first. And Dr. Stevens, that's a pretty good point, putting your mental health first. Uh, and especially, I'm sure many of your patients are either caregivers or care recipients. And for the caregiver, very often they're the last ones to care for themselves. Always, always. Um, I frequently have the conversation with patients uh, and actually my even my staff, um, because I feel like the pandemic has affected healthcare workers in general. Uh, similarly, that you have you cannot pour from an empty cup. Okay, if you don't take care of yourself mentally, you won't have anything to give back to others. Um, also, you know, the same analogy is true. If you get on the airplane, you put your own mask on before you help the person next to you. And it's not that you don't help the person next to you. You're not, I'm not telling a patient that to the, tell them to be selfish. But if you pass out because you didn't put your own mask on, you can't help the person next to you. So you, you have to take care of yourself. You have to realize what your personal needs are. And maybe for a patient that is doing art, maybe that is reading a book, maybe that's getting outside and going for a walk. Air is free, sunshine is free. And frankly, you're not gonna get sick from it. So 
get outside, get some movement. Um, a lot of my patients took advantage of silver sneakers or they did the uh, workout programs at the, the local gyms and they stopped going when the pandemic hit. And instead of replacing it with stuff at home or for going for walks at home or whatever, they ended up just not going. So now they're not even dealing with their stress in a healthy manner. They're just internalizing all of it. And it's just compounding on itself. Now, for so, those who don't know, Silver Sneakers is a healthcare benefit offered by many insurance companies, including United, uh, to give you a membership at a, at a local gym. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and, and your um, point is well taken that before the pandemic, a whole lot of folks took advantage of it. And post pandemic, are, are they simply afraid to go back? That's what I've been seeing. Um, I have really been pushing my patients. I say, look, if you're not comfortable going back, Silver, you know, the program has online programs. You can go on YouTube and look up videos and do stuff in your house. Um, but the patients that are a little more comfortable are definitely going back. Uh, as soon as the gyms opened, I had a handful of people that were back in as soon as the doors opened back up and they were working out with masks on. But the vast majority, I would say, if they've gone back, it's just been in the last three to four months. It hasn't, you know, it's all been in 2022 when they've gone back. And a lot of those folks are still not back to where they were. You know, they're telling me, yeah, I was going to the gym three times a week and now I'm going once, you know, and they're afraid to go to the classes. They're, they're nervous about interacting with other people still. And I tell them, I say, look, I, I you can limit your health in one way, or you can limit your health in another way. So we've got to figure out where the balance is here to take care of you. Talk to me a little bit about uh, depression. Uh, what, what the symptoms are, what somebody might see in someone else and say, hey, that's depression. And if you have it, what can you do about it? So I think the way you phrased that was really good because frequently we don't recognize depression in ourselves. Uh, the people around us do. The people around us acknowledge that something's different, that the person they're used to seeing isn't there 100% at this point. And things that we look for are, I think there's classic things like, you know, more tearful, more easily irritated, not sleeping as well, grouchy, those kinds of things. Um, people can become more withdrawn where they're not interacting with others. And that actually can be a sign of depression and dementia as well. And then you've also got more of, they just aren't doing the things they love. You know, someone is an artist, they like to go painting or they, even if they're just going outside and they normally would go paint a tree, they're not doing those things now. They're more withdrawn, they're not interested. And when we talk about depression screening, even within the patient population, we talk about um, the test we call it PHQ2, PHQ9. Um, the PHQ2, the first two questions is one, in the last two weeks, have you felt down, depressed, or hopeless? And then the second question is, are you not enjoying things you normally would enjoy? And I think because people have in their mind that depression is a certain set of symptoms, a certain feeling they're going to get, that they don't recognize that. And so I like the second question because it's like, well, are you not enjoying things you would normally enjoy? Well, Okay, well, yeah, you know, I used to do crossword puzzles all the time, and now I just don't want to do them. I don't have the focus to do it anymore. Or now I just want to sit on the couch and Netflix and chill. You know, they're not doing the things they used to do, and that can be a sign as well. So if someone's from the outside looking in and they're looking at their spouse or their 
parent or their sibling or child and they're sitting there going, well, this isn't the person I knew, you know, how many weeks ago, how many months ago, this person doesn't want to do any of the things they used to do. Well, that could be a really big red flag. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. Stay with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. And we're talking on our Women Radio Hotline from down near Tampa, Florida, to Dr. Amber Stevens. You find her at the local Optum Clinic on Maine. You're listening to WellMed Radio. Nervous about going to see the doctor? At WellMed, many patients can see a doctor from the comfort of home with My Health Light Now. Enjoy a secure private medical appointment using a computer, smartphone, or tablet. You can even get same-day appointments. Go to www.myhealthlightnow.com to register or download the My Health Light Now app. Interested in becoming a WellMed patient? Visit discoverwellmed.com. We are so pleased you're listening to us today on Wellman Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. And from down near Tampa, Florida at Optimon, Maine, we're talking with Dr. Amber Stevens. She's a primary care physician there and board certified in family medicine. And, and Dr. Stevens, when you think about it, as you described the symptoms just a minute ago of what you might see with depression, uh, if you can get someone's attention and they focus on it, uh, what can they do about it? Is uh, medication available? Is talk therapy available? How do you get over that deep, dark hole they may be in? Well, I think it's multifactorial. Uh, you, in terms of being in a deep, dark hole, obviously people have different levels of that deep, dark hole. You have some people that are in a little bit of a deep, dark hole, and you have some people that are in a very severe, deep, dark hole. Uh, if someone's at the point where they're uh, I'm going to go south here. If they're, if someone's in a point where they're actually suicidal, where they're having thoughts of hurting themselves or others, um, then we need to really explore that carefully and figure out how dangerous that person is to themselves. Um, there are different levels we can address that at. Obviously, you can hospitalize somebody if you really are worried about them being a danger. Uh, we can do contracts, uh, but that is thankfully in the family practice world, not the vast majority. A majority of my patients are in the mild to moderate depression category. And we talk about a number of different approaches. Um, there are, I always encourage every patient to look for counseling, every single one they get. Most of these people have coverage through their insurance. Uh, they just need to reach out and make sure that they're finding someone within their network. The options are broad. For the most part. So, and I think that dealing, even just interacting with somebody else is huge, especially if a part of the trigger for their depression is related to isolation. So the counseling can be real helpful if it's more complicated than that, if they're dealing with the loss, if they're grieving, uh, if there's other factors at play, then the counselor can help them work through some of those things as well. If I have somebody that I think for a multitude of reasons may benefit from a pharmaceutical intervention, which that's really a discussion for a person and their doctor to have, I should say, because there's different medications available that do different activities of action and not every patient fits a box. 
So if I have someone that is kind of, I, I call them like the Eeyore patient, you know, the woe is me, slow slum, you know, okay, everybody forgets about me, then that patient is going to do better on one kind of medication as opposed to, you know, I love Winnie the Pooh, by the way, if you want to know all the psychological <laughs> disorders, watch Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Be Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, or if you've got the rabbit who's like, jitter, 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 that person is not going to get the same medicine because the medications work differently. So if there's somebody that I think will benefit, then I'm going to try and match them with the medicine I think they will do best with. And the reality is most of these medications are going to take two to three weeks or even longer to fully kick mm-hmm. in. So it's very important that I have a conversation with the patient about what's the reality here? What are they looking for? What, what expectations should they have? And I tell them first and first, without a doubt, ask another person that you're close with to figure out where you're at. Okay. Don't judge how you feel because I think some of these patients think, oh my gosh, in two to three weeks, I'm going to wake up with rose colored glasses and everything's going to be great. Well, you know, that's not the case, Dr. Charles. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we see that that's not what we this see is. That. The it problem takes time. doesn't go away. So you have to be very realistic with the patient and say, look, you need to ask the person closest to you, whether that's your spouse, a parent, a sibling, ask them in a couple of weeks to reevaluate where you're at and see if the medicine is really helping. Cause I find patients aren't good indicators of themselves. The other thing I tell them is the medications it's, there's two more things I say. First thing is medication plus counseling. It's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals three. There is a synergistic behavior there. So for some patients, it can be really helpful to do both, especially Mm -hmm. if they are going to go into counseling. Sometimes adding the pharmaceutical component can be helpful and medicine doesn't ever have to be forever. Okay. We can Mm -hmm. always do things for six to nine months and then wean you off and go on our lives. Uh, We can change medications just because you fail one medicine doesn't mean another one won't work. So we don't throw in the towel because we run out of, because we've ran out of options or anything. And then, um, Ultimately, the last thing I always tell patients is I'm looking to give you a bigger pot. Okay. The medicine's not going to take away your problems. It's not, that's life. We all have trouble. Mm -hmm. We all have challenges. We have to learn how to manage those. That's where the counseling comes in. But if you've got a four quart pot and you got five quarts of life going on, you are going to boil over all the time. All I want to do is give you a six, like the six quart pot. Now you got a six quart pot and five quarts of life. You're going to nicely simmer and you can control it you're going to have a seven court day. That's life. Okay. We all have seven Mm -hmm. court days. All right. But I want 80% of your days to be controllable. 90% of your days to be manageable. I want your activities of daily living to move on. I want you to be able to have interactions with other people that are normal. I want you to be able to step back and look at your personal health and look at your energy and sit there and go, am I where I want to be? Am I moving in the right direction? And if the answer is yes, then we're doing what we should be doing as doctors. I love that analogy uh, uh, of the pots. Frankly, I'd like a 12-quart pot, Dr. Charles. What about you? <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Yeah. Wouldn't we all? Yeah. So, so let me ask you, uh, Amber, as I listened to this, uh, and you mentioned early on about uh, uh, dementia, can dementia uh, be masking depression? It really isn't dementia. It's a result of that depression. I think it can go both ways. You can have patients that present looking like they're depressed because they have, you know, the term we like to use is anhedonia, where they just don't enjoy things. Um, 
when in reality they're having signs of dementia and they're not enjoying those things because they're mentally not able to, to process them anymore. And then you have the opposite end where people who are depressed sometimes have memory issues because they're distracted, they're tired, you know, they're not sleeping well. And, and I don't know about you, but if you don't sleep well for several days in a row, you're just not going to be as sharp period. I don't care who you are. All right. Thank God for maternity leave. That's all I got to (laughs) say. So if you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to have some issues there and that can definitely mask the depression. So it can go both ways. I think it takes uh, having a really good relationship with your patient and being patient and patient, patience, patience, um, and being willing to take the time to figure out what's going on in front of you. Right. To be able to tease out the the difference Mm -hmm. between those two conditions. Cause yes, and they do like severe untreated depression can increase the risk of dementia as well. Mm -hmm. So they go hand in hand. And so that's another reason why if you're suffering with depression or you notice that you're just very sad and low and not yourself, why you should bring it up um, to your provider, to your doctor, so that you can talk about all these different options uh, one of for the, treatments. Uh, one of the statistics I found uh, that is of concern uh, is the uh, number of people at risk of suicide when they're 65 and over, it turns out to be white males uh, are the greatest group. And in your own practice, are either of you seeing that risk? Well, I think that white males tend to be more, like they tend to be more effective, like they go through with it a little bit more. Like sometimes I do have, I mean, I would say the in my patient population, I see a lot more depression in, you know, my, well, I have a predominantly, you know, Hispanic uh, female, you know, population. And so those are the patients that I think are more likely to open up to me about it. But as far as who tends to be better at going through with suicide, it does tend to be males and white males in particular. Um, I know it's, it's a concern. And so all the more reason to reach out to family members that you have concerns about and you know, if, if you have a patient or say a spouse of the patient, you know, to come with them and make sure that we're voicing those concerns to the PCP, because a lot of times those particular patients tend to internalize a lot of their stressors and a lot of their depression symptoms until they're completely boiled over and they find that they have no other solution than to do, um, uh, commit suicide. So I think that I think also to add to that, you know, and you don't want to necessarily generalize, but I think we both tend to see it in practice. Um, Men in general don't want to talk about feelings. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, you know, I think that's sort of like the, unfortunately, the masculine uh, push, if you will, uh, you know, I think that's how we're socialized, you know, men are supposed to be tough, Yeah, I I don't know if you'd see it in as much in some other countries, or if you'd see it even more in some other countries, but at least here in the United States, I think that that tends to be the population that just doesn't want to express it. And, And not only are they more motivated and more successful at committing suicide, they tend to do it in a much more violent fashion. Which I think is part of the reason they're more successful in general, because you can pump somebody's stomach if they overdosed on pills and hopefully catch things. But if someone puts a gun to their head, they can't really take that back. 
got about a minute left, Dr. Stevens. Any last thoughts on mental health and uh, the community? Uh, in regards to the community as a whole, uh, you know, we are a community. So if you have a friend or a family member that's struggling, please don't be afraid to say something to them. Don't be afraid to volunteer to come with them to their doctor's visits. Uh, your best advocates are the people who love you. And so bring someone with you uh, so that they can not only share their observations, but they can also play back to the patient later what they heard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Dr. Charles, in your case, uh, as you talk with patients, uh, the stereotype, it turns out to be true. Men are less willing to open up. So all the more reason to, you know, encourage um, patients to, to open up and all the more reason why we screen and why we ask the questions in the first place. But don't be scared to talk to your doctor if you're having symptoms of depression, sadness, or thoughts of hurting yourself. And that's the most important thing. And I think the final point is there isn't anything the two of you haven't heard. No. No, absolutely not. Unfortunately. Hey, thanks. No. Well, thank you yeah. both. We really appreciate it. And Dr. Stevens, you're a great guest. Thanks for coming on WellMed Radio. Dr. Amber Stevens from down near Tampa, Florida. For Dr. Marisa Charles, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us today on WellMed Radio. Executive producers for WellMed Radio are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker. And associate producers are Natalie Ibera and Maurice Hudson. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.